When you're hiring, it feels amazing to finally close out a job search. But what if you could get rid of the search and just match? You can with Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Let's jump into Peppa's world of play. Look for spring flowers, hunt for muddy puddles, and bravely explore exciting places with Peppa play sets. Peppa Pig. Inspiring kid confidence. Hello and welcome back to Her Hoop Stats Unplugged. As always, you're here with Megan Gower, and today we are talking about all things SEC leading up to the 2022-2023 NCAA season. To go through the SEC, I went straight to the experts, so we are talking to Emily Adams, who's on the South Carolina beat, and Cora Hall on the Tennessee beat. In this episode, really deep diving on the top two teams in the SEC and then chatting about what that top tier looks like. Some of the other teams and players were all excited to watch this season in the SEC. So really excited to get into it with both of them. To start us off, I am here with Emily Adams, the South Carolina women's basketball reporter for the Greenville News. Hey, Emily, how's it going? I am good. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for hopping on. I mean, I feel like we couldn't go through preseason without talking a lot about South Carolina this season. It would be the wrong thing to do. So I'm very yeah, excited to have an expert sure. on here. <laughs> I mean, you know, it's <laughs> they're almost the same team they were last year. So it's hard, hard to ignore. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Rating national champions. Picked number one unanimously in the AP poll, number one to finish in the SEC. Obviously, I mean, like you said, no real surprises there, but definitely a team we're going to be talking a lot about, I think, as we talk about the national championship picture for 2023. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> um, I mean, I of course, at the center of that is Aaliyah Boston, who I would say is also everyone's favorite for national player of the year. So we can just keep rattling off things that South Carolina is going to be up for this year, but Maybe just starting with her, I mean, she averaged over 16 and 12 last year, but kind of what have you heard from her coach about, you know, her, the way her game's even grown for this season to make them even better? Yeah, I think, well, I mean, she's had kind of an interesting start to the, the season with, she was away for most of the beginning of preseason with USA Basketball, um, 
prepping for the World Cup um, over in Sydney, which uh, she didn't end up traveling uh, with the team to that, but she was there for all of their training camp and all that. Um, and so I think that in some ways was hard just because she was away from the team and away from, you know, being able to to get ready for the college season. But I also think it was good in a lot of ways just because, you know, she was the only college player at USA camp. I think it was good for her to, you know, get a taste of what like the W game looks like and, you know, play with, with some of those, you know, you saw Ryan Howard was there who she played against last year at Kentucky has played with on USA basketball teams before. Um, and then obviously she's training with, you know, some of the best the W has to offer. Um, you know, she wouldn't have crossed paths with Asia, the, the other kind of South Carolina icon on that team um, since she was a little busy winning a WNBA championship. But, you know, there are just so many players there who I think gave her good learning experiences. And she's talked about that a little bit, just kind of how she was sort of absorbing everything while she was there and trying to kind of get a feel for for what her life is going to be like next year for sure but also just things to take into this year you know knowing that kind of everybody has her number now <laughs> you know and and she's you know the the reigning player of the year for a reason obviously as much as you can prepare for her there she's hard to stop but at the same time i think with the the amount of national attention she had last year she's a lot higher on everyone's radar um, and, and on everyone's scouting reports. Um, so I think it'll be kind of an interesting year for her to see whether she's able to recreate that success, just because a lot of times when you see a player break out and not even that it was that much of a breakout, but, you know, have kind of explode onto the scene in that, in that way, it's, you know, she is the focus of every team's game plan now going forward. Um, so I think that it, it creates kind of a weird dynamic for her because I think she'll she'll be better than she was last year but also I don't know that her numbers will necessarily reflect that so I'm I'm curious to see if if teams can figure out a way to game plan for her um because I don't think that's off the table yeah I think it comes down to it almost becomes like a, a double-ended sword because it's like can you you try to stop Aaliyah Boston and you're gonna have to put a lot of energy and multiple players into trying to do that. But then, I mean, South Carolina is just so loaded and so big in general that it's like, okay, well, if you focus all your energy there, there's so many other pieces that can hurt you. Yeah. So it's going to be kind of very interesting to see kind of how teams choose to attack that situation. Yeah, their size is crazy. I mean, they have my, my pick for kind of their, who I'm expecting to be sort of their breakout player this year is uh, Camila Cardoso, who was, you know, kind of played second fiddle to Aaliyah last year because it's Leah. Um, but she's six seven. <laughs> she's, you know, plays center. She's, you know, was incredible her freshman year at Syracuse before she transferred. So I, I think, you know, it, it'll end up, you know, they'll end up turning to some of those those other bigs that they have, which, you know, there there's no shortage. Um and so I think even if Aaliyah is being, you know, doubled and, and shut down they have, you know, they can just pull her off the court and not really miss a beat, you know, which I, I think is is one of the big things that makes them dangerous again this year. Definitely. Do you think we'll see more, too, of this year, maybe of Curtis and Boston on the floor together? We saw it 
I said minimally last year, but maybe with some of these new additions that they have, they have got a little bit more guards to space the floor and make that happen. Yeah, I would love to. I mean, I think it would be fun. Just Aliyah's, <laughs> I think, like six five um, is her what she's officially listed at, and and Camilla's six seven. So, I mean, that's kind of a wild duo to have on the floor at the same time in college <laughs> basketball. Um, but at the same time, their skill set is kind of similar in a lot of ways. So I think, you know, for Dawn, that's a lot of, you know, it's it's a good rotation option more so than to put them on the court at the same time. But I think it would be fun to see them on the court at the same time. <laughs> if I was the coach for my pure entertainment value, I would put them on at the same time. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's it's interesting. I it, it would be cool to see, um, but I don't know how much we will actually see it. <laughs> Yeah, I think that's fair, especially because they have so much length at other positions. It's yeah. not like you're like need more length. They're, they're not just for size. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> but yeah. I mean, I feel like other than Destiny Henderson, they really pretty much bring back every key piece from from last year's team. We've got, I mean, Bria Beal had a great season defensively last year. I think a player that maybe doesn't get the attention nationally, but is such a big part of this team. Um, Zaya Cook, of course, too. So it's it's gonna be interesting to see kind of how it all pieces back together with a lot of really a lot of the same folks, though. Yeah, they had a couple of those younger players transfer out, but other than that, I mean, all the starters are back except for except for Henny, um, and most of the the backups who played significantly are back. Um, so it's really, I mean, that that point guard position is kind of the the known <laughs> everybody knows that's sort of what they're they're looking to fill right now um and, and i think there's still a lot of sort of questions with that but at the same time you know i don't think they're gonna have any problems filling it just with the the depth that they have right now yeah they certainly have a lot of options so that even if one option isn't working the way they hope they've got other things that they could try and rotate and figure out. I thought it was interesting to see at media day that Don Staley talked a lot about kind of Zaya Cook filling in that role, which maybe wouldn't have been my first inclination as a player that was going to kind of step into that spot. Um, is that something you've kind of heard more about? Yeah, I was a little surprised by that as well. Um, just because, you know, she really didn't do too much. Like that wasn't her role last year. Right. Um, but we actually just chatted with some of the seniors the other day and she said she's been, you know, um, taking a lot of time in that spot at practice and things. Um, they have, they honestly have a, a handful of options at that position. So I don't know. I, I wouldn't be surprised to see Zaya there kind of as the, you know, the, the week one starter at that spot. But um, Letitia, I mean, here she um, rotated in with, with Destiny a little bit last year um, at point guard. And then they also have, um one of the uh the redshirt freshmen returning raven um oh my gosh what's her last um but yeah but with raven back from the the injury she had last year she's an option there um and she was the number one point guard coming out of high school in that class so you know obviously she has the the ability to do it um and then too with kira fletcher the the transfer from georgia tech um, she is kind of also a, a potential option there. Both both Raven and Kira are both coming back from uh, long-term injuries. So that's the biggest question with them, which is why I, I would expect to see Zaya or LA 
uh, in that that starting point guard rotation in, in the first couple of weeks. But um, I would not be surprised at all if if those other two started to to rotate in later in the season. Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense because with Zach Cook, you're talking about a player that knows the system in and out, knows all these players. So especially with the other two coming off of injuries, it kind of makes sense that they would go in that direction to start off. But yeah, Kira Fletcher is a name that maybe was more what I was expecting to kind of see at that starting point guard position when they brought her in. And like you said, maybe we're going to see that more as the season goes on. But someone that was very successful in that role in the ACC at Georgia Tech. So it feels like a a good fit there. Yeah, I think with both her and Raven, they're in sort of that similar situation where, A, they're both learning the South Carolina system, obviously. Um, What with Raven, I think she played two games last year before before her injury, so she didn't get a ton of time in really, like, working with the team. Um, And like I said, they're both coming off of really major injuries um, and are, you know, fully recovered, but still, I think, getting back into the – the swing of things and of, you know, practicing full time and all of that. So I don't know. I don't know how quickly they'll be up to speed. It it could be faster than I'm expecting. It could be slower than I'm expecting. Um, But with how front loaded South Carolina's non-conference schedule is, I, I would be a little bit surprised to see Dawn kind of take a chance there early on just because, you know, if you put in someone who's not ready against Stanford or Maryland, you know, it's going to come back to bite you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. They do have a few really big games to kind of to start off the season. And those are the wins that become very important come March when you're talking about seeding and everything else. Not that I think anyone expects them to be anywhere other than the, the very top of the seed line. <laughs> but <laughs> those types of losses can kind of bite you later on, even if they are early in the season. So yeah, great. <laughs> um speaking of kind of like newcomers and Fletcher what about the freshmen what have you heard from kind of coach and the team about how the freshmen are adjusting yeah it seems like it's it's a small group um I think there's only two of them I believe who are true freshmen um Talasia Cooper is the big one whose name has been thrown around a lot um I would not be surprised at all to see her play pretty significantly honestly just based on obviously she was a super you know highly ranked recruit um and so you know she's kind of the type that is going to be able to to handle that sort of you know speed of the college game and and all of that right away um the other one and and they also have needs at guard and and cooper's a guard um and ashlyn watkins the other freshman is not a guard um she's you know another one of those post players who they just it's unfortunate because obviously you know she's so talented but at the same time they don't need it right now you know that (laughs) they that that's kind of the the cool thing with this senior group that they have is it's you know all five of them have you know they were the five that came in in the class of 2019 and all five of them have stayed through their college careers so you know it's it's tough just with the amount of depth that they have to to break into that group. You know, they, I mean, they have a starting lineup just in that senior class pretty yes. much. So yeah, I, I think she's someone, especially once that group graduates, you know, once you don't have someone like Aaliyah, um, I think we'll see Ashlyn the next couple of years take on a bigger role. Um, but this year I would be a little surprised to see her a lot. I think Cooper um, is a lot more likely to be kind of a, a more immediate impact player. 
Yeah, and I think that makes a lot of sense. We've, we've hit on it a little bit, but there's just so much depth in that front court and what they bring back. And I mean, I think it's going to be hard to get all of the players that are seniors and have been a part of this team all the minutes that they, you would right. want to get them with the amount of talent they have in that group. So to add in the freshman, but and she does get the added advantage of learning from a class of really, really talented forwards. That yeah, I mean, if there's anyone you're going to sit behind, Aaliyah Boston's not a bad option. <laughs> so. Yeah. <laughs> you can't really pick someone better in the college game to be right. from in that position at the moment. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> Maybe going a little bit more into that that depth they do have, though, because we, we've talked about Boston and Cardoso, but we haven't really hit on uh, Victoria Saxton. We've got we talked about uh, Letitia a little bit at the point guard position, but she's someone that definitely doesn't have to play at the one. You can really play yeah. at a lot of different spots for this team. Um, what have you heard from, I'm, I know Coach mentioned some things about playing LA at the one through five and just really using that length. But what do you kind of expect to see from them this season? Yeah, LA kind of has been in a similar place to Aaliyah, honestly, just in terms of she was gone for a while. She's uh, was with Team Canada, actually went to Sydney at the World Cup. Um, so she's just getting back with the team. Um, and she also obviously has had a really difficult couple of months with um, lost her brother, uh, I think a month or two ago. So I think a lot of it with her and coach said this, the first practice, you know, is just kind of letting her transition back in and, and get a feel for things again. But I mean, she is such an impact player anywhere on the court and that versatility. And I think a lot of this group has that versatility. I mean, even just looking at someone like Zaya, who you wouldn't expect to play point guard, you know, even I think a lot of their depth comes from the fact that so many of their players can play anywhere um, and I think that's, it's, it's not necessarily a rare trait, but it's rare to have as many players who can do it as they do. Um, and I mean, that's, it, it's just such an advantage in even just disrupting like another team's game plan, you know, <laughs> cause when you're looking at film, if, if the player that you're expecting to line up somewhere is not lined up there, then that kind of, it really can change things. And so I think that's a huge advantage for them with, with both of those, with, um, with Saxon as well, you know, she is kind of a, a versatile forward, you know, she's, she's only six, two, so she's not that, you know, huge post center type player that, that you would look at there. She, you know, can go all over the place. She's kind of just a workhorse. She does what they need. Um, and that's, yeah, I, I think that's a really unique trait of this team. You don't have those sort of set in stone you know you play here and you play here they're all very very flexible within that lineup yeah that's obviously a great problem to have and one that lets you to kind of game plan for what you're facing you know there's certain lineups that are going to probably trip up different teams differently so being able to kind of use that flexibility to change what you have on the court one it makes it harder to scout and two it just allows you to to really cater to who you're playing and the best way to beat that opponent night in and night out yeah, and especially coming in with kind of the the target that they have on their backs, you know, it having that kind of you know ability to move things around and ability to to use different people in different places in different lineups, you know, against different matchups and things like that. Even I, I think they can cater game plans so specifically to an opponent, um, and that makes it you know obviously repeating repeating a title is hard. <laughs> um, and, and that's something coaches talked about a lot is just, you know, 
they've obviously been in the situation where they tried to repeat and didn't in in 2018 after that that first title in 17 so you know I think they know that it's hard but I think this team is set up just you know on paper in a way that makes it very possible you know it's not something where you look at it and you're like you know they're gonna have a a battle to get back which you know obviously they are to some degree but I think their odds are good just just based on the weapons that they have oh for sure I think they've yeah I think most people would probably say they have it easy which obviously we know is not true but like from the outside looking in I think it is like very clear that this is the most talented team in the country oh, yeah. going into the season. <laughs> um, kind of on that theme of repeating, like obviously Aaliyah Boston is such a huge part of that, but who do you see like really needing to like step up or be a big impact player this year to for the, them to really get to that realization of repeating national champions? Yeah, I think Bria Beal is the big one, honestly. And I know, you know, you mentioned her earlier, but I mean, she was so good for them defensively last year uh um and i think you know she's talked a little bit about you know wanting to be more involved on the offensive side and you know develop that side of her game but at the same time i don't you know i don't she doesn't need to with the amount of of scores that they have and you know if she does get more involved on the offense i mean that it immediately just raises her value so much but at the same time, she is so valuable for them defensively. And that's something, you know, obviously you have Aaliyah who's rebounding is, you know, such a, such a strength and all of that, but having someone who can just lock it down on defense, like Bria can is such an underrated skill and an underrated, you know, weapon to have in your arsenal. And so I think, you know, it's that classic adage of like, offense wins games and defense wins championships, but like, it really is true at the end of the day, you know, and when you get into, you know, things like the tournament, like so much of it is just about getting through to the next round. And, and so much of that sort of scraping by mentality comes down to defense. And so I think she is going to be such an important player for this year. I think we're going to see more of her everywhere on the court, um, especially with, with Henny, gone you know who who was you know in her own right or a really strong right. guard so I think that's she's she's the big one to me who I think is going to kind of make or break them yeah for sure I think a player that maybe doesn't get the recognition for it but it has to be one of if not the best one-on-one defender in the yeah. college game right and now. it's tough because it's one of those things that it's like you know it, it just doesn't show up on a stat line right you know, <laughs> it's such an intangible thing to be good at defense um, yep. <laughs> she she has that I mean just coming out of her ears <laughs> yeah I think if you like look back at like the national championship game last year and like what she was able to do to Paige Beckers yeah. it's something that not many people can do like sure. a really good example of just how good she is <laughs> um kind of transitioning over to a little bit more just on the SEC as a whole obviously always one of the best conferences in women's basketball which helps prepare South Carolina to kind of stay at that high level going into March but who do you see kind of as the teams within the SEC that are the biggest challengers to South Carolina this year I know they're kind of runaway favorites but yeah I honestly and I've and I've talked with a handful of the other SEC writers about this I I think it's 
maybe not as runaway as it looks like on paper, but there is a very clear a top tier. I, I think, you know, like there it's kind of the the top three and then everyone else. And that top three is in order, South Carolina, Tennessee, and LSU. Um, and then everybody else is just kind of a a hodgepodge underneath that. It's a lot of good, not great under that, but it's a lot of just kind of I think the the challenging thing with the SEC this year is that there's so few teams that are that you can kind of lean back on you know even last year you saw they got beat their their only regular season loss was to Missouri which like yeah <laughs> <laughs> um, so that's like one of those and, and I mean you saw they lost to Kentucky in the SEC tournament who you know obviously are, are gonna have a bit of a tougher year without Ryan Howard but like there's so many teams that are competitive enough that if you're having a bad day, they will take advantage of it. Um, But I, my, my, I personally think Tennessee is clearly the second best team in the league and clearly their biggest threat. Um, If you look at that preseason, all ACC vote by the media uh, it's three Tennessee players and two South Carolina players. So that's, I mean, I think tells you everything you need to know about just kind of how close those two are going to be this year. Um, And when you look at last year, I think it's tough to see that just because that game was a real blowout last year when South Carolina played Tennessee. Um, But that was, I believe that was the game right after uh, Jordan Horston, who was their leading scorer um, had had a pretty major injury. I know she, that first game that she was out for was the game at South Carolina, which is not a game you want to be missing your best player for. No. <laughs> um, and, and so the result was a blowout. Um, but Horson's back healthy and Tennessee slayed the transfer portal in the offseason. Yeah. <laughs> um, I think I know we've talked about, a little bit about just like players. I'm excited to see. I mean, Rakia Jackson, the transfer from Mississippi State, I think is going to flourish in that offense. Um, they've got Tamari Keyback, who uh, broke Candace Parker's all-time block record last year, which you know, breaking a Candace Parker record is no small feat. Um, so I think Tennessee is just so loaded and similar to South Carolina, they're very deep. Um, so I think they, they're like the clear number two to me. Um, and then LSU is sort of the, I don't even want to call them a dark horse, but I feel like they, they sort of are where everyone knows that they're the number three, but they could, I think, work their way up. And I wouldn't be surprised to see that. Um, they're just, so much of their talent is from the transfer portal, <laughs> which, you know, especially, you know, the big one is Angel Reese coming down from Maryland, um, which was a huge get for them. Um, and so I think once that group can kind of acclimate and get a feel for each other, they're going to be super, super competitive. And I mean, you see like SEC play doesn't start until January. So they have plenty of time to get there. And I think come, you know, those regular season matchups and also come, you know, SEC tournament and, and NCAA tournament time, they're going to be a very, very real contender up against uh, both Tennessee and South Carolina. Yeah, I agree with that. I think we're going to see maybe LSU take a little bit of a backseat to those two teams, at least as we go through, not a conference start of the season, but once those pieces get a chance to gel, they do have a lot of talent on that team that they've been able to bring in. But I, I very much agree with you that Tennessee is like the clear kind of challenger for South Carolina and that they're going to be that, that very obvious number two team. 
I think it's a matchup when we get to it this season. I'm pretty sure it's very late in the season. It'll be a nice, yeah, it's like, like late February, um, yeah. which is, I mean, their schedule, South Carolina's schedule is a beast because I think they go LSU, Tennessee back to back. I believe <laughs> I double check on that, but I'm there. If they're not back to back, they're like within a week or two of each other. Um, and I mean, they have that same thing at the beginning of the season with they yeah. go like Stanford, Maryland, UCLA back to back to back. And so it's just, it's brutal in some ways, but I think it's also, okay. Yeah. I, I was almost cry. It's LSU. And then the following week is Tennessee. Um, <laughs> but I think that in some ways is good, you know, as they're prepping, into tournament time, both right. SEC tournament and and the, the national tournament, you know, that having that sort of grueling week after week is is only going to help them when they hit that point. Yeah, exactly. I think when you look at, you know, March, every game is like that. It very quickly it becomes every yeah. game is a, a big game. So having that grueling thing in February definitely prepares you for that. And then having something like Tennessee as part of your conference schedule in February, I mean, that's what oh, could it's ridiculous. be a Final Four game, basically, in And, and I, I would not be surprised to see it be a Final Four game. Yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly. I think Tennessee's, I think, five in the AP poll, and I think that's an underrating. I mean, I think they're going to be so good. <laughs> I'm very, very Tennessee high on Tennessee this like, year. This very well could be the year that Tennessee finally gets back to the yeah. Final Four. They're going to be at that level. And I covered them a little bit last year um, with – I was um, in Knoxville last year before I was at this job um, covering high schools, um, but then also helping out a little bit on whatever Tennessee sport needed an extra set of hands. <laughs> um, and so I covered, I believe the the big one I covered for them was their, their Stanford game. Um, and so I got to see just kind of a lot of the talent on that roster, which now obviously has just been elevated with, you know, Rakia and with Jillian Hollingshead coming in from, from Georgia. So, I mean, I, I think, I have a lot of respect for Kelly Harper as a coach. I think that program is, you know, obviously has the history, but really is on the come up again right now. Um, and I mean, if, if, if a year is going to be their year, it's this one. Um, and, and a lot of those players are seniors. So I think they know that this is kind of their chance to do it. Yeah, for sure. And I think we're going to see that urgency on the court as well. <laughs> um, and yeah, looking back to that, like that South Carolina game too, I feel like just two teams with so much size too. There's probably not, maybe other than Stanford has a fair amount of size as well, but yeah. like many programs that are going to challenge South Carolina in terms of size that way. So that matchup, I think is especially intriguing because of that as well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, that's, that's the game I think in the SEC. I mean, they've got, you know, their sort of grudge matches with, with Kentucky, with Missouri, right. but those you know, especially Kentucky is not going to be, you know, necessarily the threat that it was last year just because of Ryan. Um, but I think that Tennessee game is the one that most of them will have circled as kind of the 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 climate check heading into into tournament time. Yeah, exactly. I think when you look at some of the teams that were so strong in the SEC last season, there's just a lot of talent that moved on to the W. You've mentioned Ryan Howard, also like Shakira Austin. Yeah. Uh, so it's just like there's a lot of, like you said, the top three, and then everyone else has got a little bit of rebuilding to do this year. Yeah, and and that game is in Knoxville this year, um, yeah. which adds kind of another layer because that is, you know, very similar to Columbia. It's very much a women's basketball town. <laughs> um, and so that's, you know, they – their home court advantage is very real. Um, and so I think that 
kind of adds an interesting layer too because you know they were here last year uh, and I think they would rather have this year's Tennessee team at home than last year. Yeah. <laughs> agreed, agreed. But it also makes for a good test, I feel like, to, to try to go on yeah, the road absolutely. and get that kind of win in February in that kind of environment. Like, being able to do something like that is a great barometer of, like, where you're at going into March. For sure. And and the nice thing is they're practically at home for a lot of the tournaments this year with, you know, I believe the SEC tournaments in Greenville – uh, the the NCAA tournament regional is in Greenville, which is about an hour from Columbia. So, you know, they, that's as close to home court advantage as they're going to get during the <laughs> tournaments. Um, so that's, I think, kind of a, I think that game is just such a good, a good, you know, check on, on where they're at or, or will be such a good check on where they're at just because I almost think that game is harder than than a lot of the tournament yeah. games will be. <laughs> Agreed. I mean, until you get to, like we said, it's a Final Four caliber opponent to begin with. So until yeah. you really get to the Final Four, uh, they're probably not going to face a harder team in a harder environment than they yeah. will in that game. For sure. Yeah, I mean, their only other game like that Tennessee game is, is that Stanford game, which is coming up in – just a couple weeks now, I think. I think it's like end of November. Um, and that's, you know, always a big one. They won that game last year. Um, and they, they probably shouldn't have. Um, <laughs> and, and they were, that's another one that they were home last year for. And they are now in California this year, um, which obviously is almost in some ways more than Tennessee is a, is a challenge just because then you have to deal with flights and the yeah. time difference and all of that. Like it, it, there's a lot of extra layers just on the travel side of things with that. And I mean, I, I'm a huge Haley Jones fan. Um, so I, I think, you know, that, the, that Sanford team also, you know, other than the Hulls brings back most of their, their important pieces, you know, with, with Brink and with, with Haley Jones. And so I think that game, I think that game in Tennessee are, are foils to each other in some ways in that, the, the Stanford game is a wellness check on the early season and the yes. Tennessee game is a wellness check on the end. So I think that's the, the growth is going to happen in between those two. And I think if they beat Stanford, they're putting themselves in a good position. And if they lose to Stanford, they have a longer way to go in order to, you know, be able to, to get to Tennessee's level at that point at the end of the season. Yeah, exactly. I think that's going to be a great kind of like, barometer at the beginning of the season which and is always fun have to watch as well so i yeah. think that'll be interesting <laughs> to see too how how that game goes because you know if tennessee beats stanford and south carolina loses tennessee jumps up pretty quick and you know if if south carolina beats stanford and tennessee doesn't then south carolina hangs on to that number one spot i think you know easily mm-hmm. so and they've been in that number one spot i mean they're on a, a long streak now um yeah with that I think they went wire to wire last season and mm-hmm. they were they were in that number one spot for a while the season before as yeah. well um I think we were talking about the other day they've been ranked in every AP poll since like 2010 or 12 like just something ridiculous um <laughs> so I, I think that just kind of that that triad and I think personally I think those are the top three teams I think it's Tennessee South Carolina and and Stanford are kind of the the upper echelon yeah. uh, at least coming into the the preseason and 
we'll, we'll get an early look at how that's going to shake out, which is cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, those three three games will kind of be very interesting. Let's see where things stand. And yeah, I feel like there's a very clear like one and two, like it's South Carolina at one and Stanford going into the season. Yeah. And that three spot gets a little like, I don't know, it's, there's Messy. a few things you could throw in there. Yeah. <laughs> and that's, but, it's, uh, it's like the SEC too. I think the whole college landscape is like that, like that upper tier is so yeah. clear to everyone. And then under that, it's just like, a bunch of teams that can pull off <laughs> yeah. upsets where you're like, you're not on that level, but like one bad day and you easily could be. Yeah. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting. I think tournament time is going to be very, very fun this year. <laughs> yeah. I think we're going to see, I mean, we saw so many upsets last year and we're just going to keep seeing that, which makes it fun. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for coming on. This is great. Yeah. Thank you. This has been so fun. And next up, we're here with Cora Hall, who's all things Tennessee women's sports, including women's basketball, at the Knoxville News Centennial. Hey, Cora, how's it going? Hey, good. How are you? Good. Excited to have you on to talk about Tennessee and the SEC. Definitely got an excited, exciting season coming up in less than two weeks away now, which is super exciting. Yes, definitely. Especially just the SEC as a whole. It's going to be super fun to watch. So I cannot wait. Definitely. And I think Tennessee kind of at the top in the SEC this season, along with South Carolina. I mean, they're top five team in the, the AP poll coming out uh, last week and pick second in the SEC. Um, kind of feels like they're returning to that national contender type status that we saw Tennessee in for so long and maybe weren't quite there last year so maybe want to talk a little bit about the start just what makes this Tennessee team so much better than it was last year yeah I think it comes down to three things and you know you hear these a lot but you know it comes down to depth versatility and talent I think the roster just has more of that in all three aspects like if you look at the depth um, they have depth in the post with Tamari Key she has a great backup now or potential, you know, two posts with Jillian Hollingshed, who's 6'5", really dynamic forward from Georgia. Um, and then you have, you know, Jasmine Franklin, you have Jordan, um, Jordan Horson can even post up sometimes, but, you know, you have other wings who can post up like Justine Passat, like Rakia Jackson, um, Sarah Puckett posted up sometimes on smaller guards. So you have a lot of depth that um, can really dominate on the inside and create a lot of mismatches. You also have the. I think my the deepest position they have is at the wing because you have returners like Jordan Horson, like Marta Suarez, who was out last season. Um, you have Sarah Puckett again, really going to be a great player off the bench for them this season. And then you have um, Rakia Jackson, you have Kaya Wynn, Tess Darby. There's so many different looks at the wing they can have that is um, just going to give them a lot of options when it comes to matchups, when it comes to different teams that they're playing. Um, and I think a great um, addition to their point guard depth is Jasmine Powell out of the transfer portal. She's also a true point guard, which is, you know, something they've really needed. Um, so I think her presence alone will really elevate the offense this season, just with her decision-making, with her ability to push the pace and transition. Um, I already in their scrimmage, which was just a scrimmage, but the way that, you know, this team can play very quickly in transition, especially with her at point guard, um, will I think really just elevate the offense that they had last season. 
Yeah, I think that's one of the biggest thing that stands out to me from what they've picked up out of the kind of the transfer portal is just the amount of more offensive firepower that they have compared to last year's team that sometimes struggled a little bit on the offensive end. But like you said, they have a true point guard. And then you also have Rikia Jackson and Jasmine Franklin that are both kind of proven volume scorers that really can help them on that end of the court. Yeah, and I think the other thing too is they um, have a lot of elite rebounders. You know, they already had Jordan Horston, Tamari Key, um, and and people from last year. But you know, you're adding players like um, Rikia Jackson, who's a great rebounder. Powell's a great you know rebounding guard. Jasmine Franklin was second in the nation in rebounding before she got hurt last season. Um, so I think they just have so many. Wherever there was a lack of something last year like the coaches have filled it with these transfers and especially you know Justine Passat is a going to be very ready to make an impact as a freshman yeah definitely I think there's probably not a team in the country that has done a better job of kind of filling their holes with these transfers that as Tennessee has in this kind of offseason really I think stands out yeah so it's just going to come down to you know managing minutes keeping you know, everyone, she says there's 16 players this season, which is the biggest roster they've had in so long, like years. So it's that's going to be a challenge for Kelly Harper. But I think, you know, it's a good challenge. I think it's when she's ready for. Um, and I think, you know, if she can make that all work, then they will be a title contender. Definitely. I think the other thing that stands out about this team is just the level of experience you've got in the transfers, you know, experience. And then especially in Horston and Tamari Key, two seniors that have been with this program for a while. Uh, We've kind of touched on them a little bit already, but just what have you heard to kind of expect from them in their senior season and ways that they've made strides forward in their own games coming into their final year? Yeah, I think, um, you know, Kelly's been really high on Jordan Horston. You know, she said, had a great summer. And last season when Kelly said that Jordan Horson had a great summer, it led to a great season. So, um, you know, from my conversations with Jordan, you know, I think she, you know, with conversations with her athletic trainer, you know, her progress ever since she got fully cleared in May has been exponential. Like she is healthy. She's ready to go. She's been, you know, working really hard this summer because something that was interesting to me, like, Obviously, last year she had a breakout season and, you know, she felt like people saw her, you know, like the country could see her. You know, she was doing what, you know, everyone expected her to do since she was the number two recruit in her class. So, you know, that's highly motivating for her to go finish what she started. Um, And, you know, she also is going to have less on the ball responsibilities with Jasmine Powell. And I think that's going to relieve some pressure from her because I think last year when she would have, you know, turnovers or when she was a lot of it I felt like was you know when she was at point guard the pass was almost a really great pass right it was just sometimes doing a little too much um so now that she doesn't have as much of that on her and she can be off the ball more she can be you know just more focused on scoring I think that's going to really help her too um as far as Tamari Key I think she'll take more steps this season, just like she did last. I think Joy uh, McCorvey has done a lot of great things for her and her development. And I expect to, you know, see her take steps, especially competing with Jillian Hollingshed all summer. Um, she didn't have someone that was basically, you know, her size who, you know, she had to compete with every single day last season. Now she has that. And I, I think she'll still be that anchor for the, the starting lineup 
Um, but I do expect to see, I guess, more consistent offensive production since it's not all on her. She has more depth. Um, so again, less pressure on her to not be so focused on, okay, don't foul, don't foul. I have to be on the court. Um, so she can have a little more freedom too. Um, but yeah, I think both those two will have a really strong season again and be really important for just carrying over the success because they have been here for four years. They know the expectations. They know um, just what got them there last year so they can really help carry over that success. Yeah, definitely. I think it's exciting to kind of see what this team can do this season. Obviously, a lot of hype coming into the season, and I think hype that's earned, so it'll be exciting to see kind of if they can sustain that and really be amongst the top teams kind of throughout the year, which I think they definitely have the talent to do it. So hopefully it will all come together in that way. Um, kind of talking about this team in the context of the SEC, obviously they're picked second in the preseason SEC poll, but kind of where do you see them falling? You've kind of got a clear, I feel like number one, and South Carolina, and then I feel a pretty clear number three in LSU as well, and then kind of everywhere else. But kind of amongst that top group, you see this team kind of being up there with South Carolina and contending for a title or maybe closer to like the LSU and everywhere else. Yeah, I think when it comes to like the SEC title, I think um, I don't think Tennessee is that far behind South Carolina on paper because I think, you know, they went out and they got the size, they got the talent, um, to match up with them, I think it's a matter of how they progress, right? Because South Carolina, they won a title last year. They returned a lot of their players. So they've been through this. They know what they're doing. They're seasoned. Whereas this team on paper has the talent, has the size to compete with that, but they aren't battle tested together yet. So I think it will definitely, I think that the non-conference slate will really help that. Kelly put together a great schedule. So I think when SEC play comes around, they will be ready. And I think it's just going to come down to when it comes to February, that last push of the season, when they're playing South Carolina, where are they at? Have they made enough progress to compete with South Carolina to make that a game that they either should win or that they can win? Um, so I think a, a lot of it kind of is up in the air of seeing how they progress through non-conference play. But I think, again, like on paper, they should, that should be a very competitive game. Like I think that's going to, you know, decide the the regular season title. And that's a big deal to Don Staley. So you best believe, like, even though it's at Tennessee, like they will bring like everything. They will be ready for that game. That is their goal. So I think it's really exciting to see just how every team develops. I think LSU – is not a given win for either South Carolina or Tennessee, just with the transfers they brought in with what Kim Mulkey did with the team last season. So I think like that top three will be all those games against those top three teams are going to be great games. And I think, you know, I think those are solidly the top three teams of the SEC. I do think, um, you know, Tennessee and South Carolina will come out on top against LSU just because of the depth that they have. Um, but, yeah, I think LSU is a close third behind Tennessee. Yeah, I think a team that has obviously brought in a ton of talent is going to be kind of part of that top group. And you mentioned the non-conference schedule, and I think that's something. I mean, Tennessee, I know they have Stanford, they have UConn kind of later in that non-conference league. So they're going to have a lot of tests kind of leading up to that South Carolina game, too, to get a sense of where this team is at compared to that kind of elite tier of teams. 
yeah, yeah, especially, you know, they're going to be at battle for, battle for Atlantis too. So they could possibly play Texas, um, Louisville, and they have, you know, Indiana. They have, you know, UMass, who's, you know, projected to win the Atlantic 10. So they have a lot of great challenges leading up to SEC play. Yeah, that UMass game should actually be interesting. I think people probably will overlook that one and the other yeah, names that you said, but like that's UMass. a really good UMass team. It's going to be fun. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, and I'm pretty sure that one's soon as well, so kind of early on. Yeah, that's a November game, so. Yeah, so that should be a good chance to see this team against what could, I think, at some point be a top 25 team this season. Um, kind of looking at the rest of the SEC, I've, we've kind of covered that, you know, South Carolina, Tennessee, LSU is that definitely title kind of favorite group, the group that's going to be at the top. But there are, are there any other teams kind of in this mix that stick out as maybe just being a tough matchup for Tennessee um, in the way that they play or kind of could be exceed expectations this season? Yeah, I even though Florida lost Sippy Broughton, which like sucks because she was going to be such an important piece for them coming back. I still think Florida has, you know, a really good chance at making noise in the SEC just based on the success they had last season, they brought in great transfers. You know, I'm excited to see Aaliyah Matharo back in the SEC. Um, and Kelly Ray Finley proved herself last season, certainly. So um, I think it'll be interesting to see, you know, will Florida kind of still rely on that really tough, scrappy style of play that got them wins last season, that, that got them a win against Tennessee. Um, and I think it'll be interesting to see how Tennessee handles the turnover problem this year, you know. How will they fix that? You know, will it be a problem again? I don't know. You know, it's. I think a lot of it just kind of depends on what we're seeing from them. But last year, that's what got them into trouble is that turnover problem caught up to them. And against Auburn, against Florida, it turned into a lot of points and upsets. So how will they handle that? Um, I think one of the common things and their losses last year was there was one quarter when defensively they weren't strong enough and teams put up over 20 points in a quarter like LSU put up 22 in the first quarter by pushing the pace running the floor and Tennessee never caught back up they lost by three against Stanford Stanford had 26 points in the second quarter I think and they just couldn't overcome that you know and UConn did it 23 points in the third South Carolina had 25 points in the third so it's just can they play those four quarters with the defense they need to because once they had that quarter, they never, you know, could get back the lead and they, they lost those games. So I do expect them to be stronger defensively this year. So, you know, maybe last year's problems won't be what gets them this year, but that certainly last year was kind of the common denominator in those losses in SEC play. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. And some of that will probably get alleviated, but just having more depth, being able to give people rests and you know, helps force not taking time off on the defensive end when people can actually get a break off the yeah. court. But um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see kind of if, if those things come back to bite them at all. I think the turnover is another one that could be interesting there is maybe Georgia just with the kind of they're brought in the coach from UCF, like that UCF has always played that very, very physical grinded out type matchup, which is something Tennessee is very much accustomed to and able to play, but it's always can just get things, keep things interesting. Yeah, no, I'm glad you said that because I'm pretty sure the game between Tennessee and UCF last season, like, it was ugly. Like, it was an yeah. ugly win. I'm pretty sure there was 52 combined turnovers between the both teams. Like, I think each team had, like, 25, 26 turnovers. Like, it was just so bad. Um, 
But yeah, I, I think Georgia will be really interesting to see how that team shapes up. Yeah, I feel like they've got a decent amount of kind of what was on that UCF team, on that Georgia team now. Diamond Battles is there. Brittany, I'm forgetting her last name, but their, their center, I think, came over as well. So it should be interesting to kind of see what the Georgia squad looks like. Yeah, and, and Audrey, Audrey Warren from Texas, really yeah. gritty, tough defender, gets a lot of um, hustle plays, great scorer when, you know, can muscle her way to the basket. So she'll be a great piece for that team as well. Definitely. I guess just kind of looking a little broader at the SEC, outside of maybe some of the teams that we've mentioned already, is there any kind of teams or players that you're just excited to see this season, maybe kind of outside of the, the top three? But Yeah, no, I think what's exciting um, is just there was a lot of movement in the offseason. And I think coaches who proved themselves last season, like Kyra Elsie, like Coach Yo, like Kelly Ray Finley, they hit the portal and they got themselves some more players. They have, you know, Kyra Elsie has a great freshman class. So I think I'm very excited to see what they do because, you know, obviously they kind of have to reload. They lost all lost some key players. Um, but I'm really excited because I feel like those coaches really proved themselves last season with an SEC play. And so I think, you know, they'll once again have a solid season. And I'm really excited to see how that plays out because there's so many new faces. The other thing is there's a lot, lot of new coaches. Um, Coach Abe at Georgia, Joni Taylor went to Texas A&M, and Sam Purcell at Mississippi State. So I'm also very interested to see how those new coaches do because this is going to be a very hard conference this season. And, you know, being a new coach in the SEC is not something that I would ever want to do, um, <laughs> especially with, you know, two potential title contending teams. Um but I think those coaches will all do, you know, good things for those programs, especially Sam Purcell at Mississippi State. Like that program really needed a reset. And I think, you know, he was a great coach with um, Jeff Walls at Louisville. So I'm excited for that. Um, in regard to players, I'm obviously looking forward to seeing Aaliyah Boston and I'm excited to see what Zaya Cook does this year. Um, I'm excited to, again to see Matharu back at SEC. I'm excited to watch Angel Reese and Flaw J. Johnson. Speaking of which, there's a lot of really good freshmen, like Janiah Barker, like Justine Passat, Ashlyn Watkins, Talaja Cooper. So I think there's a lot of young talent across the league that I'm very excited to watch. Um, and lastly, I meant to mention this earlier, but I really think, you know, Jillian Hollingshed is going to be a difference maker for Tennessee. And I feel like she's kind of flying under the radar because she didn't play that much last season at Georgia. Um, due to illness, due to a knee injury. So I think she is going to be a much bigger impact player than people are expecting, especially just with the way she handles the ball, with the way she can shoot from range, her post moves. Um, yeah, so I'm excited to see her too. Yeah, definitely. I think a name that like rings bells in most people's heads, but like you said, she didn't have like this standout season last year. So easy for people to kind of underrate her a little bit. I feel like that might be true of a handful of teams in the SEC too, just with so much movement. I think maybe some of these teams are flying under the radar because they don't have like this big name that people remember from last year. But it's still going to be one of the, I think, the toughest conferences in the women's game this year. It's kind of your take on that. I know a lot of attention right now is going to the ACC, but do you kind of see the SEC being right up there with the ACC this season? Yes, definitely. I think it was funny because when I was doing like my AP top 25 preseason ballot, like I only had 
three SEC teams. And I was like, I feel like there should be more, but it's like hard to rank like an old miss when they don't have Shakira Austin this year. It's hard to rank a Florida when they lost their two best players from last year. Um, even though I think those teams will be good. I think they're going to be good in the SEC. I think they'll make some noise. I think they will be good, like challenging games for the top teams. Um, so I think more SEC teams will play their way into the top 25. Um, but it it's just such a tough conference because of the style of play. Like these teams are so physical. They're so fast. And I think everyone embraces that identity of the league that it is good top to bottom. Anybody can win on any night. Like you literally saw Auburn beat Tennessee last season when they should not have beat them. So it's just like, I think the ACC is really, really strong this year, but I still think, you know, the SC is right there, even if there's not as many ranked teams at the moment, um, because again, every team knows that they can be the top team on any night. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. And I think that's the thing that maybe gets missed sometimes is the top to bottom strength that, you know, the number 12 team in the league is going to be able to give someone at the top a hard time. Whereas the ACC, I think it's very top heavy right now. And there's a lot mm-hmm. of really strong teams at the top, but maybe the bottom isn't as, as close as some of the teams in the SEC are to kind of the top. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I do think, though, that the I think the UConn Tennessee team game will be very interesting this year. I think last year it it was looking like it was going to be interesting and then these injuries happened. Then it was like, okay, like this might be kind of a weird matchup now. But I think this season I'm really excited. I'm really excited to see, you know, how UConn progresses through the season. I'm excited to see how Tennessee progresses through the season. And I think there will be like a lot of interest around that game come February. Yeah, I definitely agree with that, which is exciting. I think this is the first one that's like in Knoxville, not during COVID, right? So it's like – Finally. Yes, because I think the the because the one in twenty one was in Knoxville, so that was still like that season after COVID. Mm-hmm. So yeah, that'll be exciting, and that like you finally get that kind of mm-hmm. UConn Tennessee rivalry fan experience as well. So that that's definitely a game to look forward to, and like you said, two teams that are, I think are going to be interesting to follow this year and how they develop and come January when they actually play. That should be a really exciting one. Yeah, no, because I still think, I mean, UConn's still going to be good without Paige. Like, I think it's funny when people yeah. are like, oh, they don't have Paige. Like, I'm like, did you not watch them last year? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is funny. It's like, yeah. <laughs> they played a lot of last year without Paige, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. AZ's going to be super fun to watch. Yeah, I'm very excited to see that. I think it's going to be a lot of fun. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Cora, for doing this. Yeah, of course. It was so super fun. I love podcasts, so always happy to, to join. Well, that's all for today's episode. Thank you for listening. As always, please make sure to rate, like, subscribe to the podcast wherever you're listening to or watching us. Also, be sure you are subscribed to the stat site. It is just $20 a year to get all of the best NCAA and WNBA stats out on herhoopstats.com. Also, be sure you're subscribed to our free newsletter on Substack and following us on social media at Her Hoop Stats on all platforms. Thanks again for listening.